It's one of the healthiest countries on the planet with so many wholesome traditions that keep its people slim, happy, and living long, healthy lives. Of course, it's Japan. So today, I chat with an expert in Japanese healthy habits to see what we can learn. Welcome to Planet Health. This is the pre-boarding announcement for better health, improved fitness, and easier weight loss. At this time, we're inviting those passengers who want to avoid fad diets, food restriction, and excessive exercise to make your way to the gate. Thank you for your attention. Hello and welcome to Planet Health. I'm Chris Cara, a fitness writer, nutrition coach, and when it comes to this podcast, something of a global explorer. As always, I'm touring the world in search of the best nutrition, movement, and well-being habits on Earth, then helping you to implement them into your life. Whether you're listening in for the first time or you've been with me from the start, thank you for tuning in. I have a little favor to ask. If you enjoyed the podcast, obviously please consider subscribing, but also if you can add your email address to my newsletter list. Um, I very rarely send a newsletter. I, in fact, I don't actually think I've sent one yet, but it'll be very useful for when I have some important updates in the near future. I'll also be running some newsletter-only competitions later this year, so it's well worth doing. The link to this is in the episode description, but you can also find it on linktree.com forward slash chriscara. Anyway, today we're talking about Japan, and if you've listened to this podcast for any period of time, you'll know that I'm a big fan of how the Japanese keep healthy in terms of what they eat, how they move, and how they approach life in general. The country has one of the lowest obesity rates in the developed world, around 4%, and one of the highest life expectancies, with the average being 84.7 years. So yeah, there's a lot that we can learn from Japan. And who better to chat to than a respected Japanese health coach and writer? Today, I'm pleased to be joined on this episode by Kaki Okumura, who is the author of the upcoming book called Wa, The Art of Balance. The subtitle is Live Healthier, Happier and Longer, The Japanese Way. Her book is going to be available in mid-March 2023, and I was lucky enough to be sent an advanced copy of the book, and it really is wonderful. It's full of lovely hand-drawn illustrations and packed with stories and information on healthy Japanese habits and traditions, which are all the kinds of things we love to discuss on this show each week. We're going to talk about the book more in the interview, so let's get straight into it, and then stick around at the end where I'll sum things up nice and neatly like I usually do. Okay, firstly, uh, I've already given you a little bit of an introduction, but you can probably do a better job. So can you introduce yourself and tell us what you're up to at the moment? Yeah, so hi, I'm Kaki. Um, I would say I'm a Japanese wellness writer, so I write a lot about um, health practices that kind of take on a Japanese perspective. Just a little bit of background about myself. I was, I am Japanese, but I was born in the U.S., so I was raised in the U.S., and kind of grew up with an American understanding of how to approach health. And, you know, I feel like maybe some people in listening to this podcast will empathize, but it doesn't always work out. And so I really struggled with my health growing up. And not until I went back to Japan where I saw and experienced how other people can approach and approach healthy eating or exercise or just overall balancing their well-being had I really had the opportunity to find something sustainable for myself. 
And so that's kind of where, you know, I started sharing some of the things I've adopted, things that worked for me. And I've now grown a bit of a small following on the internet. So obviously, and you've turned this into a book now, and your book is called WA. And that, that's how you pronounce it, isn't it? WA. Yeah. The, I guess there's only two letters, <laughs> W and A, so there's no real way I can mispronounce that. But with me, I could well mispronounce it. So, so it's called WA, The Art of Balance. And it, I was just saying, it's a wonderful book. It's bursting with information and some lovely illustrations, which you've, you obviously do your own illustrations, which is uh, fantastic. Um, but obviously, most of my listeners aren't going to be familiar with the concept of WA. So so can you explain it? Yeah, of course. Um, so wa is the Japanese word that, or it's a Japanese character that translates to harmony. Right. But wa is also the Japanese character used to describe Japanese things. So you might have actually heard some of these words like washi is Japanese paper. Right. Um, washoku is Japanese food. Um, wafuku is like Japanese clothing. But why is this word to describe Japanese things? And I decided to use the term wa to kind of explain this book because yes, it's about Japanese approaches to health, but it's also essentially based around this idea of harmony, which is very, um, it's a common theme and value in Japanese culture. And so I feel like this idea of balance and harmony is really important when we talk about our health because our health is not just what we eat and the calories we burn when we exercise, but I find it's really closely tied to our mental health, our social health. And, you know, some days, you know, you have to rest more than you have to exercise. And yeah. we should really consider things around balance um, or think about our health holistically. The second part of that is I feel like in American culture, a lot of things are about, you know, go all in or it's not even worth doing whereas when we think about our health it's really about the small things that matter you don't want to go to any extreme of not doing anything at all or overdoing things and meeting burnout and so i try and encourage this idea of you know it's about the balance not overdoing any one thing i i I know quite a few people uh myself included at times where i go maybe too hard with things like exercise for example i'm I, I enjoy it, but then sometimes I can be like sitting down in the afternoon thinking I went <laughs> too hard. And <laughs> with me then, I, I'm aware of this and I'll rest then and maybe I'll take a day off the following day. Whereas I, I know some people in the past have thought, well, you know, it's that kind of mentality of no, well, you have to yeah, go in, go hard or go home. And they go hard again the next day and the next day and all of a sudden they either burn out or they get injured. And so, yeah, I, I completely understand that it's that balance finding the balance of uh I, I i guess you put it in the book you probably put it a lot more uh, graciously than i do it um so one thing now i always talk about japan as like one of the healthiest countries uh, on this podcast uh, anyone who listens knows i love japan uh, even though i've never been but uh, i it's my dream one day to get there and I, I mentioned in my introduction earlier that it's got one of the lowest obesity rates in the world uh, and what do you think the kinds of things that japanese people do to maintain a healthy weight? What, what kind of things? Even within Japan, there are lots of different lifestyles. And I think it definitely depends on the region, but there are definitely some underlying practices that are very common throughout the country. I think one of the most effective habits is the practice of eating in moderation. Yeah. So there's a Japanese phrase, um, which directly translates to eating, 
until you're 80% full. But, you know, I think wherever you go, you'll find that people are, you know, accustomed to eating until moderation. And this also goes for eating out, but also eating at home. So if you're eating out, people will often find that you can finish whatever is on your plate in that one sitting. I feel like if you dine out in the US, it's very common to want the takeout box or at the end, you're like feeling super overstuffed. But in Japan, a lot of people aren't super used to that way of eating. Every time it's kind of like, okay, 8% full, I'm satisfied, I feel good, I'm not hungry anymore. I could eat more if I wanted to, but I'm not going to because I'm already satisfied. I think this idea of eating in moderation is one great way where we can enjoy what, you know, the foods we want without having to feel sick after. <laughs> yeah, it, it's funny because like I was kind of looking through some photos the other day of years ago, like so now I'm plant-based and vegan, but years ago, like uh, I'm thinking like 15 years ago, I went to America and I've been since, but there was the time when I look back at some photos and I was quite like, not, not too chubby but i was definitely chubbier i didn't value my health as much back then in my kind of 20s but i i remember looking at this photo of uh i was in universal studios or one of these theme parks in florida and i'm there with this huge turkey leg this obviously back when i used to eat meat but the I'm not sure if people have seen a turkey leg, but it's it's about a foot in length. It's it's huge. Oh my huge. god! Yeah, it, and it looks like something from the Flintstones. You know, me chomping into this thing, and I remember eating it there, and I felt sick eating it because it was just a huge thing of this grilled meat, and I didn't want to waste it because I don't like to waste things. So I was just eating. It. I remember almost kind of being <laughs> sick into like a bin, and I, I think, hang on, you know, that's just one example, but it's almost like that could have fed a family of four to in in all theory put some put some uh, rice and some vegetables but yeah it's that kind of why do you need that in a in an american theme park and anytime i've been to america there has been the portions are huge so and obviously you're you're in good position to talk about uh, american portions and japanese portions so do you notice the kind of portion sizes between the country is there quite a gap yeah i think it's funny that you bring up this turkey leg example because the Japanese theme, the Japanese Disneyland, so yeah. Tokyo Disneyland, they also have turkey legs offered, but they're not as big as you described. They're like, yeah. you know, um, they're kind of the size of, they're a little bigger than like a chicken drumstick, right. but yeah. it's definitely like something I would comfortably eat by myself. So I think yeah. that's just one funny example. But um, I also, when I, you know, explain to people how different it is. I like to refer to um, fast food because, you know, you kind of go to a McDonald's, let's say, and expect it to be same, the same, or at least very similar across different countries. Yeah. But something that visitors to Japan will realize is that when they go to their same fast food places in Japan, it's like way different in terms of portion. Starbucks in Japan, for example, the most common size that people order is the tall size. And if you know Starbucks sizes, that's like the second to smallest one. And there's also a short size that's advertised on all Japanese menus, which is pretty small. If you go to US Starbucks, they also have the short size, but it's not advertised on any menus. So you'll yeah. either have to ask for it or um, they might have it displayed on like a counter, but it's not on any of the menus. So 
you know, people sometimes don't even know it's an option. And consequently, because they don't have the smallest size, like the middle average size becomes the grande. So people kind of go to that as their, you know, default size. And that's the most common size ordered in the US. So you can just see that it's already different in that sense. Um, there are other places like McDonald's, so fry, small fries in Japan is a lot smaller than in the US. Um, if you think about Domino's Pizza, there's a the small Domino's Pizza in the US is bigger than the medium in Japan, which I feel like, you know, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, people's idea of like one serving, it's just all about the labeling sometimes. So someone in the US might be like, oh, it's just a small pizza, but we're not really paying attention to what that size actually is. And we're kind of just taking whatever is given to us as a default. Whereas, you know, in different countries, you'll realize that their default size is just smaller and they'll call it different things like medium and it's very arbitrary. So I always encourage people when they're trying to eat in moderation, it's not just, you know, the label, but you want to be able to kind of interpret for yourself, like, okay, how do I feel? What's the appropriate sizing for me? Because it's really all relative. Yeah, because you get given, it's that's really true, you get given a, a portion in the restaurant and perhaps if you're in the health industry or you, you know a bit about nutrition, you think, right, well, that portion is huge. It's, you know, that's enough for me for the full day, so I don't need to eat it all. I could take some home or leave some. But I think many people will probably get given that portion, think, well, that's a sensible portion, and they just eat it all, even if they're feeling sick or they're feeling full, they just eat it. And using these concepts like, so I call it harahachi boo. Is that how do you how did you pronounce it? It's harahachi boo is also one way you can say it. Um, I said harahachi boo, but yeah. Okay, so well, like harahachi boo. When I was studying for my nutrition qualification, they kind of used the eighty percent full uh, mm -hmm. concept, I guess, as a way of almost intuitive eating. Uh, and if you're not measuring calories or you're not counting calories, you have to have some way of regulating how much you eat. And that's a great way because it's you tune into your body and uh, the concept, I think I've talked about it before in this podcast, but as you get to, there's like your fullness level and it's just below full. You, you almost think if I ate two more, three more bites, I'd be full. So I'm going to leave it there. And then your body catches up and you feel satisfied. And over time you do this and you end up you know, maintaining a healthy weight or losing weight. Um, so it, it was gr great then to learn that obviously Japan does, the, this is probably where the it came from, the Harahachi boot to 80% 80 full came from there. So do you have any kind of tips that you could give people for kind of regulating their food through this technique? Yeah, of course. Um, I think when I, so Harahachi boot is, you know, it's like intuitive eating, but I like to put on like a little asterisk because intuitive eating is only really effective if we're eating foods that will make us feel full. Yeah. You know, it's definitely, it's not, you need to eat only fruits and vegetables and whole grains or whatnot, but what we do eat, the majority still needs to be composed of those foods. So yeah. when we're eating mostly fruits and vegetables, um, we'll feel full, we'll feel satisfied. We can stop eating with relative comfort. But when our meals are, you know, mostly highly processed foods, our satiety levels just will not match the number of calories we eat. Processed foods, they are designed in a way so they're addictive, so we keep buying it. 
people don't want us to feel full, so we stop eating it. You, you know, um, that's the nature of processed foods. And consequently, they're very high calorie, low in nutrition, low in things that help us make us feel full, like fiber. So it's so easy to overeat. Um, so yes, in that sense, we want to be, uh, we should be eating until we're 80% full. But if you do eat a lot of processed foods, you will struggle with this. Yeah. Um, it could also be the case where if you, you know, lived a lifestyle where you ate a lot of processed foods, it will take a t bit of time for your body to adjust, um, even when you do start eating fruits and vegetables. So the first tip is, yes, 80% full, but you still want to be mindful about eating vegetables, fruits, fiber-rich foods. I think we all know this, but I think some people like to be like, oh, well, I can't intuitively eat because blah, blah, blah. But it's possible. We just ha have to have that little yeah. caveat to it. In terms of tips for kind of getting there, we were kind of talking about this earlier, but what you visually see on your plate matters. If you're at home, I encourage people to use smaller plates or bowls or just plate, you know, just put on less food on your plate. And that doesn't necessarily mean like you have to undereat or, you know, stop yourself from eating so much, but it's about, okay, I'm gonna start off with a smaller portion, I'm gonna finish it. And then I'm going to check in with how I feel. Yeah. If you want seconds, like, great, like, go get more food. It's, you know, right there on the stove. But the idea is trying to slow down and pay attention to how much we eat and check in with how full we feel. There are many studies done when people are given a bigger plate, the food just looks smaller, so they put more on and they eat more. Yeah. Whereas the people given smaller plates, they just tend to eat less. And so I think we should, you know, realize that we are also... Um, there's a psychology to eating and that we should pay attention to the things that nudge us towards one habit, so one habit over the other. Um, and, you know, that's kind of if you're eating at home, if you're eating out um, you and you can't like control the plating or the portions on your plate, like definitely just get the takeout box. Um, yeah. You know, in your mind, you can also be like, okay, I'm gonna eat until moderation at this dinner you get home, you're still hungry, like you can still continue to eat. It's not advocating eating less, but it's advocating, okay, don't overeat. So like take it slow. And I think eventually we start to understand our bodies better in terms of, okay, how much food do I actually need to eat? What does that visually look like? What does that, you know, feel like in my body? And so, you know, taking those gradual steps to try and want to get more in tune with your intuition, I think is really helpful that's one of the reasons why uh, again on this podcast I, I sometimes sound like a broken record talking about the same things but that's why i always talk about eating slowly because it's such an important way to it's probably a precursor to the harry hachibu eating to 80 percent full because when you're eating slowly you can be in tune with what your body's telling you if you're eating too quickly most of the time you've eaten way past full and you don't even know that i the other day i went for um a a Chinese meal actually with a Chinese friend uh, and we ordered a lot of food and uh, <laughs> it was just we knew we'd ordered too much food or I knew we'd ordered too much food 
and but we're not really people who will have a takeout box so in the end we'd like right eat quickly so we can eat it all and you know i don't usually do that and i definitely don't advocate that anyone listening do this but i was like i don't want to waste it so we did we ate so quickly and as i was leaving the restaurant it was the first time i kind of like waddled out of a restaurant for years i i was so full i i was felt ashamed because it was you know it was lovely food and that's the problem because the food's so nice and i i've had nutrition coaching clients who've I've told this 80% full concept to them and they they say well I don't want to leave food on the plate because they come from a generation where wasting food is obviously frowned upon and even now wasting food is frowned upon but it so it's kind of yeah going back to what you were saying earlier plating things up maybe put smaller portions or use smaller plates Uh, and if you want seconds or you're still very hungry go and have seconds but um, and then, yeah, eating slowly as well. You kind of can check in with yourself. So just there to give a couple of extra tips there. But one thing you were talking about then, which was the kind of plating up, and this is another concept in the book, which I'm going to try and pronounce. Uh, so it's Ichiju Sansai. Does that does that sound right? Yeah. Okay, good. Um, so, so you've introduced me to that. That was in the book. And can you kind of explain? I think you've touched upon it already, but what is that concept? Yeah, so... Ichiju Sansai, Ichiju directly translates to one soup, and Sansai is three sides. So yeah. together, Ichiju Sansai um, means one soup, three sides. Yeah. And this is a way that a lot of traditional Japanese meals are set up. And so if you go to a Japanese restaurant, maybe it's like your local lunch place, or it could also be like a nicer place. But, well, usually, what you'll usually get is a small bowl of rice, small bowl of miso soup, and then three side dishes. And one side dish tends to be like a protein. So it's usually like fish, chicken, maybe some sort of meat or tofu. And then the two side dishes will be more vegetable based. So it might be, you know, something like spinach or carrots or whatever, but it's usually one protein dish, two vegetable side dishes. And so the idea is that you know, these meals are set up in this way. So people get, people can get a variety of food and food types in one meal. Yeah. And I think when we think about health, there are a lot of concepts around like superfoods or, you know, cutting out a certain thing and eating a lot of something else. Whereas the concept of Ichiju Sansei is more okay, you get a balanced variety of a lot of different things. You know, as people, we need carbohydrates, we need fats, uh, we need protein. It's not that any one, you know, macronutrient is, we can survive without one or we need more. Yeah. Or we should have too much of one thing. Yeah. So this idea of having a lot of different foods, it allows you to, you know, get the nutrients you need, but not overdo any one thing. And so, you know, within Ichiji Sansai, there's a lot of variety, yeah. which is the first important thing. Yeah. The second is that when you look at these dishes, they're very, very small portions. They're like meant for one person to finish. Yeah. They're served on small plates. And so the idea is also, you know, not eating a lot of everything, but you get a little bit of everything. It's, you know, keeps it interesting. The meal's not boring, but yeah, you can still have a little bit of everything. Yeah, that's really good, actually. What you just said, that it's the meal isn't boring because whenever I eat Japanese, it's 
it's always like a little event and i think this is also similar to the bento box i know is that similar so it's you have this bento box which i'm assuming many listeners will have uh, encountered it's yeah with different sections it's almost like ooh, this little event because there's your gyoza there and your soup there and your rice there and your sushi and it's yeah it's more interesting i guess especially coming just from a western country but it does also help you regulate what's on your plate you're eating let's say smaller portions and you're eating a mix of everything so it's not just one lump of your protein and carbs you're having a bit of everything you're having veg you're having your fats you're having your carbohydrates which is what you need really so so that's great and yeah it's balanced and once again that's yeah. your the art you know the art of balance that's um so you live in america and you live in new york is that right it's yeah new york i'm City. currently in new york so do you feel you embrace the japanese concepts that you actually discuss in your book yeah so it's a great question i think you know if you saw my lifestyle you would not it's not like i'm eating japanese food all the time yeah. or um it's you know, your environment plays a big role in terms of how you live. Yeah. And, but with that said, the concepts I introduce in the book, they're not exclusive to Japanese culture. They're not exclusive to the environment that I grew up in Tokyo. They're things you can definitely do anywhere, um, incorporate into any lifestyle that you live. Yeah. And so, yeah, I would say that I still engage in concepts like moderation or the importance of variety, trying to stay mindful when I eat, slowing down. Um, another concept that I introduce in the book is the idea that, you know, exercise is not just going to the gym and having like a really sweaty workout and pushing yourself, but it can really, you know, exercise can also take more moderate forms. I think people underestimate the power of just like a walk outside or um, not having to do something super intense or setting aside time as working out. There are other ways that we can incorporate exercise into our lifestyles. Um, That being said, there are some things about the US that are just differences in value. So, you know, I try to eat in moderation, but I think you know, Americans, if you go eat out with friends and you're celebrating something and you're eating in moderation, they're going to be like, what, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, eat more. That's it. And so <laughs> there are definitely moments where I feel more American than Japanese. But yeah, I yeah. think in general. <laughs> it, it's interesting. Yeah, it's, uh, so you, you don't uh, in, insist that everything is served in a bento box or on little plates. <laughs> so yeah, 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 your burger in a bento box. It's yeah, I can. Uh, <laughs> that's, that, yeah, but that's good though. But again, you're you're balanced, and you so you are taking um, aspects of uh, Japanese culture and practicing that. But then, because you live in America and you have American friends, and it's yeah, you you can embrace that American, which is great. I want to kind of end on a fun question here. So as we've discussed in this podcast, I've discussed many times, Japan is one of the healthiest nations on the planet, and we can learn a lot from Japanese traditions and cultures. But I think we can learn a lot from bad habits around the world. So does Japan have any bad habits? <laughs> you know, of course, it's hard to like define a whole country in one statement. And so... But I'm actually going to put a little spin on your question because I'm, I'm going to frame in the way of like, okay, what can Japanese people learn from other countries? And I'm going to use the example of the U.S. Because living here, something that I really appreciate about American culture is that people are very open to different 
lifestyles in this country. They're open to embracing that they, the you know, their values might be different from their neighbors, but you know, coexisting or living side by side, I think people are a bit more open to embracing. Um, and that there's like no one right way to live and people have a right to their unique lifestyles even if they're not in agreement. And so in this way, I think in the US it's a environment that's easier to explore different interests and that also applies to how you wanna take care of your health. So, you know, if, you know, running in the park is not your thing, there's yoga, there's so many different kinds of yoga, there's soul cycle, there's CrossFit, there are a lot of weightlifting groups out there. Um, I think people realize that there are a lot of different ways to exercise and people are constantly trying to, you know, innovate on that and discover different ways that people can enjoy moving their bodies. That's something I love. Um, The U.S. is also more open to different body shapes. Um, For example, in Japan, I don't think women are not really expected to become really strong, but I think in the U.S., People are encouraged to lift weights, work out, build muscle. Um, and, you know, to varying degrees, like there's definitely a class of people who are, you know, very serious about it and, you know, they're very strong. And then others who are kind of like in that more medium zone. But, you know, people understand that there's a whole range where different physiques are um, welcomed. And yeah, I think that's, you know, super important when it comes to your well-being. I think... In the book, I also talk about, you know, mental health. It's not just eating or exercise, but our relationship with our body and how much we, you know, just like it has a profound impact on the way we feel motivated to take care of it. And that aspect of self-compassion for being content with where you're at, but also wanting to take care of what you have, I think is very, very important. One more thing on something I appreciate about in the U.S. is that different eating values as well. So if you're vegan in the U.S., I think you can do it with relative yeah. e- like relatively easily, find what you want to eat. There's so many options to eat vegan. You can go out to dinner and also have like a vegan option available to you. Whereas in Japan, I would find that it's a bit more difficult um, to live out, you know, those kinds of dietary restrictions. So... Yeah, I think maybe it's just because it's a bigger country or, you know, I think it's the nature of the U.S. with so many people from different places coming in. But something I really appreciate about, you know, an American perspective is that there's just so many different ways to live and um, people are very open embracing of other people's lifestyles, but also kind of reflecting on your own and trying to discover for yourself, okay, what works for me? What do I enjoy? and living out those values. Yeah, you can learn a lot from America. And that's that's the thing. It's Japan is it's one country and it's a very healthy country, but yeah, it doesn't have I guess all the answers uh, as no country does. So, but Japan definitely has a lot of the answers and um, you can obviously read a lot in your book, which as you said isn't just nutrition based, it's nutrition, movement, mental, it's health, it's um, a holistic view of health, uh, which is fantastic. So it's coming out on the 14th of March. Anyone I know of American listeners, British listeners, uh, you can buy it at the moment. I, I'll put the Amazon link if uh, people want to check it out. But yeah, you can probably buy it in all good bookshops, I, I imagine, uh, soon. Okay, so I think that's about it. So I'm going to thank you for coming on. Uh, where can people find you? Yeah, so I think 
The best place to you know, find my material is joining my newsletter, which you can do from going to my website, which is kakikata.space. Um, another, you, if you're a more visual person, you can also follow my Instagram. It's also kakikata.space. Um, I think that's the easiest place to reach me. Excellent. I'll link those in the episode description anyway then. All right. Well, thanks again for coming on. And um, yeah, we'll hopefully do this again in the future. All right. And there we have it. Thank you again to Kaki for her time and insight. And again, her book is called Wa, The Art of Balance. And you can find it if you Google it. You'll be able to see all the links you need to buy it. Uh, Let's recap. So first, uh, the technique which I love um, from Japan is called Hara Hachibu, which uh, is that way to regulate eating without counting calories. It translates, as Kaki said, to eating to 80% full. So you get to what you think is around 80% full, and then you just stop eating, and your body catches up, and then you feel satisfied. And over time, this is the way to lose weight or maintain weight without having to kind of count calories or macros or things like that. Uh, But of course, it works best with whole foods like fruit, vegetables, nuts, seeds, legumes, not so much with ice cream and donuts and things like that. Uh, The body doesn't really register them the same way as those whole foods. So Harahachi Boo, go for 80% full, aim for that 80% full mark and obviously more whole foods. It's good advice generally. Um, The other concept which I liked uh, was the Ichiju Sansai and that's well worth paying attention to. It was the art of plating food on several small plates which is another way to regulate portion size in advance while giving you more balance in your meals. So you've got that dish for protein, some for your vegetables, a little bit for carbohydrates like rice and then something like a miso soup. Generally, it is always better to portion smaller and then go for seconds should you need extra food. But using that first concept of harahachibu and eating slowly will mean that you probably don't actually need to go for seconds. And if you're trying to lose weight or trying to maintain a healthy weight, something will register with you then that, yeah, actually, I don't need extra food. And finally, Japan's way of keeping active in a more gentle way is, again, worth paying attention to. We didn't really cover it in depth in the interview and uh, maybe we'll welcome Kaki back in the future. Um, And this is one of the reasons why it's good to go and buy the book because she explains more about this uh, than we did in the couple of minutes we chatted. Um, And look, I'm a big fan of going hard in workouts, you know, lifting heavy weights, running fast, doing high intensity circuits, that kind of thing. But you don't always need to go that hard listen to your body and sometimes a gentle walk is all you need or some lifting some moderate weights or just a jog you don't always have to go hard and heavy to actually make progress okay so does japan have all the answers um probably not but it's certainly got a lot of good advice and it's a country well worth paying attention to when health is involved For now, that's all I have. I sincerely hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please subscribe and remember to add your name to the newsletter. That's linktree.com forward slash Chris Cara. And that's where you can find the links for my social media, website and contact details should you want to get in touch with me. Anyway, I'll be back soon for another trip around the world. But until next time, thanks for listening.